One of the joys <coughs> that um, as, as the people of Jesus that we have is we get to tell people about Jesus all the time. We get to tell people that Jesus is actually really, really good news um, for people's lives. And that in the resurrection of Jesus, there is an opportunity for every single person to have a whole new life in the goodness of God. And not only do we get to tell people that, like historically, if you've in any way sort of hung around the church at all, or if you've grown up in the church, <clears throat> you might be new to the church, new to the kingdom, new to the church, new to Jesus. Um, the, if you've grown up around the church, though, a little bit, you've probably um, been exhorted and taught and encouraged. Yes, yes, tell people about Jesus. <clears throat> um, it's important to share your story. But I would want to say that um, right alongside that, it's important to demonstrate that is good news. Uh, there's a lot of talk. You know, people can talk the talk. But then there's the walk. Then there's actually walking out what we're talking about. And so I want to um, touch on that this morning a little bit. One of the great exciting things that you and I get to do as Jesus people is we get to do Jesus things. We get to do kingdom stuff. Not only that, but when we come to a relationship with Jesus, we get to be, we get to be in ourselves and as a people, we get to be who Jesus says we are. Not who we think we should be. We get to be who Jesus says we are. Ephesians 2.10. We are the handiwork of God, created in Jesus for great works. We get to be who Jesus says we are. Now, often, I, 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 just as a little sort of side note, as we're running into this this morning, and as this is a bit of an on-ramp, one of the exciting things about belonging to Jesus is that we get to have him be the center of our life. We get to view our world through him. We get to engage in life through him because he now lives in us. You know, there's that spiritual transaction that takes place when you give your life to God. By the way, the kingdom of God doesn't fit in your life. The kingdom of God doesn't fit in your life. But you fit beautifully in the life of the king and what he's doing. You fit beautifully into the life of the king and what he's doing. Of course, the kingdom of God doesn't fit in your life. But you do get to fit into what God's doing in his kingdom. One of the beautiful things about having a, that spiritual transaction of receiving a new life in Christ is that we get to be these people who are made in the image of God and we begin to celebrate that. We're freed from doing anything religious. Thank God for that. Thank God for Christ that we don't have to do religion. Thank God for that. Religion's a heavy burden, it's a big weight, and it's a cumbersome expectation that we put on ourselves, and that, uh, that others even place upon us. And that thing is crippling. It's, it's overbearing. It's, Jesus said, come to me. My burden's light. My burden's easy. Come to Jesus. 
And the good thing about being in relationship with God and that spiritual transaction takes place, we're freed from having to do religion in all of the ways that we think it should be done or even others think it should be done. We don't have to look a certain look. We don't have to make a certain sound. We don't have to... um, use certain inflections on words to somehow um, trigger the kingdom to come, if, if I maybe just like use the name Jesus in a certain way, then maybe it might trigger an, a, an, a, an activity of God, if, or if I, if I maybe posture myself in a certain way, then it might, you know, bend the arm of God for the kingdom to come. It's, so I thank God we've been set free from that. And thank God that we've been drawn into a relationship where we get to be who Jesus says we are. And there's great freedom in that. See, one of the wonderful things about um, how the kingdom of God looks as it's living through each of us, as we're partnering with Jesus, is it looks and sounds just like who we are in a relationship with Jesus. Today I want to talk a little bit. I do, do want to teach a little bit, but then I want to do a whole bunch of demonstration. Uh, but before we get there, let's talk about surfing. Let's talk about surfing, because Craig wore his surfing t-shirt this morning. I can see that. Did you see the quicksilver waves on his t-shirt this morning? And then the Holy Spirit gives him this little nudge about a prophetic word about when he's surfing down at uh, Burley Heads or attempting to surf. Yep, yep, attempting to surf. Uh, and it was, you know, I, I actually ro- I rang... Um, my, my mate who's been using my surfboard lately, and I rang him and I said, hey, listen, can you bring my surfboard to church this morning? I want to talk about surfing. And uh, so that's my surfboard over there. It's uh, just under the cross over there. I bought that when I was probably about 16 or 17. It's getting a bit old now. It's a little bit yellow. Um, it's still, it still goes. I don't go so much on it anymore, but it's pretty fast. Um, and um, I love the little... Um, wording on it. One of the things that really attracted me to it when I first bought this surfboard was the wording on it. And the wording on it, if you can see it there, it's free fluid. There's this, there was this great sense of like, oh yeah, this board is just made to be free when you're in the water. Now, who here, I mean, Tamomi, if you see Tamomi today, she's like working in with the children today and she's amazing. But one of the things, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. One of the things that Tamomi does is Tamomi is a surfer. She surfs. You wouldn't have known that, would you? Unless you actually watched her this morning. Before she went into the kids, all of a sudden she saw the surfboard and she was down the front like, who's just this? What's going on? I said, that's mine. And she says, you should come surfing with me. <laughs> it's like, but Tamomi's a surfer. And there's some wonderful things about surfing. If, are there any other surfers among us or people who've tried to surf among us? It's not the easiest. <laughs> it's not the easiest of sports to pick up. It's a, you've got to work out a little bit. But one of, the, one of the things that I used to love about going surfing with all of my friends when I was in my late teens, early 20s, and, um, was that we would always go and spend time on the beach getting sunburnt. And one of the things that we would, we would surf, we'd have times where we would surf together and then times where we, you know, I would surf alone. And it was a great place of connection for me in my conversation with Jesus. But... <clears throat> One of the things about surfing is um, you, actually, you actually, when you're on the board and you paddle out, 
get out through the breakers, you get out there, one of the things you actually do is you actually have to stop and you have to sit and you have to wait and you have to watch. And the waiting and the watching, it, it, it's, it, it becomes like an intuitive thing where you're actually waiting. The thinking is, I'm waiting for the perfect wave. I'm waiting for the next great ride. And you're sitting there and you're waiting for the ride. And then, <clears throat> so what you're doing is you're not, looking at the, you're not looking at the sand, you're looking out into the deep. And you're kind of watching for what's coming. And you're waiting. And you, your orientation is you're waiting for that which is building up out there to arrive right here. And then what you have to do is you have to get yourself busy and you have to posture yourself. Because <clears throat> the thing about waves, and I think Craig beautifully touched on it this morning, is they don't go where you tell them to go. <laughs> the waves have their own authority, their own energy, their own power, their own direction. Your job as a surfer is to posture yourself, not to tell the wave what you want it to do, and you can't muscle a wave to doing what you want it to do either because it will just throw you off because you're not partnering with what the wave is actually doing. When it comes to our life in the kingdom of God, there are these <clears throat> there's this continual inbreaking of the love of God into the earth constantly. God hasn't disappeared. He's not removed himself. I loved that teaching last week that Sarah did. God's not sitting somewhere in a kingdom far, far away. <laughs> that the kingdom of God has come and is now among us. And it's continuing to come and continuing to come. And as it's doing that, what God is asking is for people who would posture themselves to partner with what he's doing. Wave after wave after wave after wave. Now that takes a few things, a few dynamics. Waiting, looking, not telling God how we think he should move. That's why I love, you know, when you say come Holy Spirit, <laughs> you can't have the expectation of come Holy Spirit the way I want you to come. That's not how it works. Come Holy Spirit is, God, you come and do whatever it is you're doing and scoop me up in it. In your kindness, let my life find meaning in who you are and what you're doing and let me come along for the ride. You can't muscle God. You can't tell God. You can't, well, I mean, you can. You can try. We all do. But the, the better thing is to, just like in surfing, posture yourself as you see God coming to partner with what he's actually doing in your everyday life. In your everyday life. God's moving in your everyday life all of the time. And part of the reason why we... Sometimes part of the reason why we don't necessarily see what God is doing... And that's what I want to really zero in on today is seeing is because 
because our expectation on how we think he should be doing things actually blinds us to the, what he is actually doing. Let me just say that. Our, what we, the way we think he should be moving actually blinds us to the way that he is actually moving. And God invites us to see what he's doing and join him in it. Sometimes people I often hear say the saying, oh, God's not moving like he once did. That's a load of hogwash. That is a load of rot. God is constantly at work. God is constantly bringing his kingdom. God is constantly breaking into people's circumstances and lives. God is alive and moving and authoring his agenda in, the, in his creation. Where is God? Oh, we're not seeing God move with love and power like he once did. That's rot. That's absolute rot. That's coming out of a posture because we've actually turned away our eyes from celebrating the little things that we see God doing, the small healing here, the salvation over there, the generous, compassionate act over there, that increasing measure of generosity and freedom with our resources over there, that deeper heartfelt concern for a brother over there, that willingness to engage with the heart of God a little more for the young people of our region, it's because we've turned away from celebrating the small. See, the waves don't start big. They start out there, but you've got to have the eyes to see them. And as they build in and as they come in to the shore, they hit the sandbar that's under the water. And as they hit the sandbar, they arc up, and there is the opportunity to partner with the wave at its peak. The reason why we say these things like, where is God? He's not moving these days. And he's no longer moving in love and power. It's because we've trained our eyes as well in this time to look for the spectacular. And we actually miss the significant. Culturally, we only seem to esteem the spectacular when we miss the significant. When you're looking for the big thing, you will be blinded to actually what God is doing at hand. See, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's proximal. It's within reach of who we are and where we are at all times. The kingdom is not some far, far away land. The reason why we often don't see God doing much is because we've trained our eyes to no longer look for what God is doing in exchange for the spectacular. And so we discount, we screen out, and we become blind to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's because we've not trained our eyes to partner with God in the great things, and we complain that he's not using us for the greater things. Today, one of the most beautiful things I love about who we are as a people, fashioned by God, fashioned by the Holy Spirit over many years now, is that he has fashioned us with a great hunger to be a people to actually see what God is doing and celebrating that, that we are a people. God is building an army of Jesus people, not 
a spectacular small group of superstars. He's building an army of people that love Jesus and doing what Jesus does together. I love that about this place. That means everyone qualifies. Colossians 1, it's the Father's great love that qualifies us to partner in this great work of Jesus. God's made us and continues to shape us to be a people who actually know what it means to see God moving. Now, I'm not talking about seeing some strange blue angel visiting where only the one or the two can see that. I'm not talking about the, you know, this, and I'm not downplaying those dynamics either. They're very real. But I'm just talking about with our natural, naked eye vision, learning to see what God is doing. I love that about this place. And we're a people who are constantly saying, that was a great ride. Let's paddle out for the next one. Because there's another wave. And after we've ridden that one in this season, guess what? There's another wave coming. And there's more for us to do because God is always moving. And he's always on the move. There is a move of the Holy Spirit right now across our country. Many of us don't get to see it because we live in our own little street, in our own little home, and we go to our own local church. And sometimes, because of the reality of what we live in, we miss what God's doing outside that reality. God is at work all over this country right now. And I'm telling you that as someone who, by the grace of God, in this season, has been asked to go and check out a lot of what God's doing around Australia. And I'm just coming back like they do in the book and they say, you should have seen what happened over there. You should see what's going on out there. You should see what's happening in our street down there. God is constantly alive and at work. There is a move of the Holy Spirit right now, even here in our local church, where the Father is at work inviting people to join him in what he's actually doing. What he's actually doing. There's a work of the Spirit. See, one of the beautiful things I love about, like, this morning in that worship time, there was some deliberate space that Simone created. And it was an invitational space. And sometimes we miss those invitations. But there was an invitational space there this morning where Simone created that space with the worship team for God to interact with you and for you to interact with God. And in the context of that waiting, that space, that awkward like, what are we doing now? Will we sing the next verse? Are we going to wait for a minute here? What, what's going on? In the awkwardness of that moment, what happened? The Holy Spirit came and began to... There's a number of you in this room who are experiencing physiological phenomena there were a number of you whose hearts were coming alive to the awareness of God's love for you. And then, in the kindness of God, there was this utterance from his heart through people using everyday words and languages to try and express what God was saying. There was a prophetic word that came. Did you catch all of that? That's so awesome. It's just like in the book. Now, it might not look spectacular, but it's, 
We're not after the spectacular. We're after the significant because the significance changes us. The significance of that moment. There's these two words that came about hanging on to the rock. And this other word that's came, it's time. There's a now moment on, on our lives together and as individuals. There's this moment here where God's saying such a time as this. Did we see it or did we miss it? Were we looking for something else when we came today? Or did we come hungry for what God's actually doing and what he's actually saying? There's a move of the Holy Spirit. There is a fruitful work of the Father's love right now in our life together. We are a people who can, like Jesus, grow and see what our Father is doing, wave after wave after wave. Um, If you have... um, Let me get this going. There's a... I just wanted to add a few more photos up here this morning. I love these. Like, you know, we've been like, look at these characters up here. These two went to the footy on Thursday night. I would have hated to sit around them. They, but anyway, these crew, this crew over here, this, earlier on in the year, I was talking about how 25 years ago, the Holy Spirit started to speak to them and they found each other. And Jesus brought them together because Jesus had a plan. And this formed this wonderful community of saints, reaching and witnessing to the goodness of God and touching thousands of lives in the last 25 years. And check out over in this corner, whoop, over in this corner up here. Here's these young guns. Look at them. You! And down here, see this picture down the bottom here? There's like 30 people here who are between 12 and 17 years of age. And see what happened to this group here just a couple of weeks ago? 18 of them lined up to give their life to Jesus. Don't tell me the Father's not doing anything anymore. Do you have the eyes to see it? Are you riding the wave? Or are you still muscling God, trying to tell him to do it the way you want it? Where are you going to partner? When are, you going to, when are we going to paddle out and join in what God's actually doing? That's the question that God's asking us in this amazing season. If you've got your Bible with you, John chapter 5, quickly there's this great story. And in this great story, uh, we see an account of Jesus healing a man who has been um, an invalid for many, many years. The Bible in John 5 doesn't tell us if he's been like that since birth. He's just been like this for a long time. And one of the things that he, he would do in his context is um, he would go and he would gather at this pool where the people who were lame or ill, and they would go to this pool and they would sit around this pool and they would wait. The, <clears throat> the, the understanding was and the experience was it was a supernatural environment where there would be this stirring of the water that was perceived to be an angelic visitation would stir the water and then into the water, the first person who was helped into the water as that supernatural activity was taking place, they would be healed. And um, so it was first in best dressed, basically. And if you weren't first in, you missed out. And anyway, so Jesus goes to this pool and there's all these people hanging around there waiting to get into the pool and he sees this guy who's been there a long, long time. And he's not been able to get in the pool. 
And Jesus looks at him and he says, has this great question. I love this question. Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to get well? <laughs> I mean, Jesus is just looking. He's just, he's just looking. And on the basis of the environment, he's going, I reckon that guy wants to get well. Got to remember, Jesus, the human being, filled with the Spirit. Jesus, the human being, filled with the Holy Spirit, doing life like you and I do life, as God's good creation. Now, do you want to get well? And on, off he goes. He gives this guy gives this big story about how, oh yeah, you know, I, I can't get into the water. No one's here to help me. And then Jesus says, "Well, just pick up your mat and walk." And at that, he gets up and he walks. And after that, Jesus gets totally roasted by all of the religious infrastructure of the context. Like, you've just broken all the rules, Jesus. You can't do that on this day of the week. You can't carry a mat. Hang on a minute. This guy who's been an invalid for the last, what is it, 38 years or something like that, the text says, the account tells us, there you go, he's, you, you don't understand. You can't see what's actually happened for your religious framework. This 38-year invalid has just stood up, rolled up his mat, and walked out. But they can't see that and celebrate that because of the religious framework. Well, after that, Jesus gives him a bit of a chat. And he says, he says a few things to him. And he, he makes it really simple for them. John 5, 16. He says, it says, Because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father's always at work. To this very day, and I am working. I too am working. For this reason, they tried to kill him more. <laughs> I'm not sure how you... We want to kill him. Now we want to kill him more than we want to kill him. I'm not sure how that works. But anyway, I imagine it's a scale of anger that's rising right there. They want Jesus dead. Why? Now it's shifted. Not because he's, not because he's healed the guy. They want to kill him because he's saying, God's my dad. No one can say that. No one. And Jesus now is reinterpreting what relationship as a human being with God looks like. God's my dad. God's my father. Now they're angry. They're like, you cannot say that. Well, he just did. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was now even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave him this answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. A couple of quick things. A life of simplicity and joy looks like this. Our father, because it's now our father. Remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Our father. He's bringing us into his relationship with his dad so his dad is now our dad. Our father is always at work. Because Jesus' father is always at work. And in Jesus, his father's my father. 
I'm now his son through Christ. You're now his sons and daughters through Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And he's always at work. The kingdom of God is all around us. The Father's work is so radically busy, and yet we often miss it because we're trying to convince him of the merits of our efforts that we think he should be supporting. The waves keep coming. The waves keep coming. The waves keep coming in the kindness of God. Are we looking at what the Father is actually doing and are we ready to paddle, to posture ourselves, to partner with what he's doing? I love this other little bit. It's about relationship, not about religious activity or striving. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I'm not doing this on my own. I can't do it on my own. I only do what I see my Father doing. Whatever the Father does, I do, and in the same way. One of the, perhaps one of the greatest childhood practices that anyone's grown up in the body of Jesus has been taught and modelled that is most, um, the, a really big practical roadblock to being able to see what God is doing is when it comes time to talking to God, it's always prefaced with this. Close your eyes and bow your head. That is one of the worst practices that has impacted people's ability to actually keep their eyes open and their chin up and look for what God's actually doing. Oh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to close my eyes and bow my head. And in doing that, it's like trying to catch a wave blindfolded. Now, I took a couple of folk out lawn bowling the other night. (laughs) Now, that was a laugh. That was good, good fun. And on the last end, I said to everyone, righto, this one, you've got to do it with your eyes closed. Trying to lawn bowl with your eyes closed, those things went all over the place. It's like trying trying to catch a wave blindfolded. You just can't do it. You can't partner with the wave when you're blindfolded. You can't partner with God when your actually eyes are closed. One of the simple practices that I think God has blessed to us as a people is that we love to pray with our eyes open. We just simply want to see what God's doing and join him in it. So my encouragement to you is this. Forget what you grew up on in terms of close your eyes and bow your head. Try a new thing. Open your eyes and lift your chin. Open your eyes and lift your chin and see what God is actually doing when you are praying for people. The kingdom of God comes through relationship, Jesus is pointing. He says, I can't do this on the basis of my religious performance or activity, but I can do it on the basis of my relationship with what my Father's doing. And so we get drawn up into that. In the same way that the Father is doing things, Jesus does, does them. And you know that saying, um, well, I, I just wrote it down like this in my notes. This is Jesus. Be like him. <laughs> you know, it's like simple stuff. Just boil it down. Don't overthink it. Don't over-agenderise it. Let the heart of Jesus be your heart. Do it in relationship with God. Let the power of that relationship of intimacy flow. One of the reasons why we don't see, we think we don't see God at work it's because we're blinded by the lack of our own intimacy with God. 
our own lack of investment in relationship with who God is and what he's doing and taking the time to say, hey, God, what are you doing? Investing in that space. Um, The last thing there, love and the greater things. The father loves the son that you see and shows him all the things that he's doing. Yes, he will show him even the greater things than these that will amaze you. See, the kingdom of God comes through love, not religious observance. It's because the Father loves. John 3.16, the Father loved the world so much that he sent his only son. The Father, heart of God, is for his, for his creation in Christ Jesus. Love opens our eyes and our hearts to see and to feel what God sees and feels in the moment. Um, I shared briefly a story a couple of weeks back how I took a flight home from Newcastle with Nick and um, Jonathan and Helen from Bruce West and we were on this flight together and anyway I ended up praying for this guy across the aisle from me who who'd had surgery and his leg was covered in a big... Um, frame because his foot had been cut off almost in a workplace accident. It was was terrible. When I looked at it, eventually looked at it, because I knew God was saying, look at it, and I'm like, I don't want to look at it. Not because it was gross, because I knew where it was going to go. Because I I knew God was suckering me into what he was already doing in the plane. And I was just like, I don't want to go there. I'm like, I'm tired. I want to make this all about me. And then, um, so anyway, his name was Shannon. I ended up praying with Shannon. And as we were praying with Shannon, the Holy Spirit was touching him. Did the frame fall off? No. Did, was he supernaturally healed walking up and down the plane? Yahoo, I'm healed. No. Did we use any key words? No. I just looked at him and I said, gee, that, that must hurt. It was just me looking around and seeing gee, that must hurt. And he told me the story, and then I just said to him, well, look, mate, um, I love Jesus. I know Jesus. I think he's God's son, and I, I think he would like to heal you if you'd let me pray for you. And so he said that would be great, and he pulled me into his chair just about, and then we prayed together, and he, could ex- he experienced the Holy Spirit, and his mum next to him, she's in tears, just wiping her face because the love of God was invading row three on a dash eight between Newcastle and Brisbane, probably about 30 minutes in. And as the Holy Spirit touched him, I said, Can you, are you experiencing the love of God? Because I couldn't see, like, the Holy Spirit, but I could see the effects of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. See, we're trained to look, we think we're meant to look for the Holy Spirit, and we go, I can't see him. What's he doing? It's like beautiful prayer this morning. Jesus, come and walk among us. I can't see him. Where is he walking? We're actually looking, like if I had the, the, the fan, a fan on here and turned the fan on and it was blowing on me, you wouldn't be able to see the wind, would you? But you would see the effects of the wind. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the effects of when God's moving and touching and healing or 
bringing his kingdom to people. We're looking for the effects. It's like often we start talking to people and they just start crying. <laughs> it's, it's just, we don't know why, but they're just crying all of a sudden. It's God just peeling them open. And we just go, that's okay, that's just God loving you. And we put some framework to that to help them understand what's going on. Well, where are people who in the vineyard are trained to see the effects of God as God is moving, wave after wave after wave after wave. That's why sometimes we find it hard. It's like, I, mean, I can't see, I can't see, and we get frustrated and locked down, when in fact we're not trying to see the Holy Spirit because we can't, but we can see with our naked eye the effects of when he's moving. I love it, you know, this morning, just like during the worship time, all of a sudden someone's like, I don't know, someone said, I don't know if Simone said something or there was a word that was sort of sung in a chorus or something. Someone over, over in this area went, ooh! I'm like, I pay attention to those things. Not because it's like, that's annoying, be quiet. But it's like, we've asked God to bring the full forces of his kingdom among us. We're not talking about some sort of like fairyland thing. We're talking about the power that created all things and holds all things together. That scripture was beautifully read this morning, Colossians 1. We're asking for the power of God to come and invade this place. Not as we would like, but as he would want. So I'm like, what's going on over there? Well, that, usually when I hear that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good, Lord. Someone's getting a prayer deep, deep within. And it's like, they're like, oh, I, with groans that words cannot express, so the Holy Spirit groans within us. And if we did not groan like that, even creation itself groans for the return of the living God. Who's at work there in the groan? The Holy Spirit. Did I see him? No. Did I hear the effects of him? Yes. So when that happened, I'm like, yes, God, more. Just more. Do more of that in the room. And there was a few more, like, even as I'm talking now, there's a few of you in your seats. You're starting to twitch. Like, not because you have some sort of ailment, but because the power of God is coming on you. Like, poor old Wendy up the back there in row two at the back. She's poor... I love you, Wendy, but you're just like a lightning rod for the Holy Spirit. I can't see the Holy Spirit, but I can see the effects of the Holy Spirit on you right now. Some of you just open your eyes and look. Sorry, Wendy, we're just having a look. We love you. We love you. But that's, that's, that's the power of the king touching her. Because I started talking about and giving testimony to the fact that Jesus is among us and he's working and he's here and he's in burying deep into people and answering intercession. And the people who pray and are intercessory are all of a sudden sitting in this room going, oh, yeah, man, I'm carrying a prayer too. And often it comes out without words that cannot be expressed and it's just a groan. That's totally in the book. Totally to be expected. Now, as, even as I'm doing that, as, as, as we're talking about the king and his kingdom and the effects of his presence, I'm watching over here. And there seems to be a bit of a move of God happening just kind of right around, sort of over, he's looking around everywhere except himself, is Craig. And I'm not auto-suggesting here. All I'm doing is paying attention to what was happening because as soon as we started, we heard the and the 
It's going on over there. Holy Spirit's moving up there. All of a sudden, Craig went from sitting like this to this. He is leaning in. There's, hu- there's some hunger there. This guy's hungry. Are you hungry? For- you are hungry, man. He's seriously hungry for the things of Jesus. There's spiritual hunger there starting to light him up. More, Lord. We ask for more for Craig. Just Holy Spirit, we thank you for the hunger that you've placed in Craig for the things of Jesus and his kingdom and his love for the church. Ask for more on that, Lord. Just bring more. Bring more. Bring more. We are the people who love the greater, we love the great and the greater things. But the thing is, to go from great to greater, I do believe that is a scale, a scalable thing in the in the following of Jesus. When we learn to heal headaches, we can tackle cancer. But if we, if we give up on healing headaches, we're certainly going to give up on healing cancer. This is a scalable journey of discipleship, of partnering with the power of God. We look for the effects, we join in, we paddle out, we partner and we participate. This is what I love about who God's made us to be here at the vineyard. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's, he's already moving in the